0: Okay, so I'm super excited because one of my favorite persons is joining us today and it's the Janelle B. Stewart. And after you get to know her today, guys, you're going to realize why I said the Janelle B. Stewart. Okay. So welcome back to F What They Told You podcast. If you've been listening, you know, there is a trend happening. First, a few weeks ago, we talked about you being legendary. Then I thought, what better way to remind you of how legendary you are. Then bringing on some of my friends who I consider to be ultimately the most legendary in their field, in their career, in their family, and what they're doing to break generational curses and rewrite their own narratives. So with no further ado, welcome into the F What They Told You podcast is Janelle B. Stewart. Please introduce yourself to my audience and let them know why you are the Janelle B. Stewart.
1: Hello, 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 everyone. Thank you for having me, Natalie. I am Janelle B. Stewart, and I am a creator, and I've been a creator now for over a decade. It's been actually 12 years. I got my start on YouTube Many people know of me from my YouTube natural hair journey, and I transitioned from that career of being a YouTuber and an influencer and began selling online courses, and I also do brand coaching. For me, being a creator was something that I stumbled upon after I decided to go natural. I was a teacher working in a public school, teaching special education. I also became a mom during that time and got married during that time to my college sweetheart, We've been together for 17 years this year, married for 12. And we have two beautiful children a son who is 10, and a daughter who's eight. During that time, I decided to create a space where I could journey, I could chronicle my journey from being a woman who had relaxed hair to being a woman who was natural and fully embracing it. And I decided to share that with the world. During this time, Influencer marketing became a thing, and so I was one of the trailblazers for Black women beauty influencers. I've been featured in documentaries. I've been featured in magazines, in the newspaper, and I've even been on the Dr. Oz show. Transitioning from being an influencer to being a course creator and a brand coach came because I was looking for ways to create new revenue streams for myself and for my family and also have more control over my income. And so present day, I've made multiple millions of dollars by creating online courses, coaching, and I also create subscription-based communities for people to connect and grow and to better serve my community. So that's a little bit about me. I live in New York
0: as well. Yeah. So thank you so much. That was a really good introduction, Janelle. I want to go straight to a post that you made a few weeks ago on social. So right now we're recording, we're in Black History Month. And so it's, it would be remiss for me not to acknowledge that you are beautifully melanated. Uh, You made a post at the beginning of Black History Month, remembering the time when you questioned your own beauty, questioned, you know, whether or not you were beautiful enough because some photographer just did not know how to capture your essence, because everybody else was pale. And so he went with the masses and didn't know how to capture someone who had melanin in their skin. Talk to me about other experiences that you've had that has allowed you to really take up space. I heard a woman say yesterday that your trailblazing on the platform, YouTube, and then Instagram has helped them to embrace their natural features, embrace their Afrocentric features, their Afros, their dark skin, their thick hips and their thighs and their lips. Talk to me about what it was that really made you ground yourself in my black is beautiful. Let me show you how to embrace your own and then monetize that. Absolutely.
1: There was this season when I became a natural hair beauty blogger where a company that I love and adored called Shea Moisture was in the media of a, they were in the media and they were in the middle of a like marketing campaign nightmare. They created this discussion called like, I love my hair. And they included some white women in the discussion about like hair problems, hair hate and like some other things. I don't remember the terminology right now, but it was a big thing like back in, I want to say maybe 2014, 2015, around that time. And the black community, black women, natural hair community were all just like these white women should not have been a part of this conversation at all because hair, like hair hate and the trauma that goes around having hair for two, you know, Becky's, so to speak, was just inappropriate in a conversation with other Black women. I was one of the darker skinned women that were a part of that entire campaign. And I also was, I believe at the time, only one of the ones with the texture that I had. So I was darker skinned and I was the only one with the coily texture. And so basically my image was like the one that was all over the news all over Instagram and Twitter, and even on some YouTube media outlets where they were basically saying like, they should have just kept going in this direction of Janelle, basically. But they had included white women as a part to reach the general market, but it just wasn't the right way to do it. So it was a big issue. At that point in time, I had already been in the natural hair community for many years. However, it was until that moment that I, I guess for me, I realized just how important it was for me to be a part of that campaign and also to be in the natural hair community at the time that I was. When I found the natural hair community, which was 2010, there were Black women talking about natural hair, but they were all very light skinned. And they were all, they all had a very specific texture, which is more like curly and wavy. And while natural hair and Black women come in all shades and all hues and our our hair has various textures, once again, there was an underrepresented audience of people not even able to find themselves on YouTube now. And I was that person for them. There were many moments during my career where I felt like I wasn't advancing as fast the other women, because of the fact that I was dark skin, and because of the fact that my hair texture was more coily, and I felt like there were a lot of people that looked up to these other women exclusively because of that. So black women, dark skin with tighter textures, admire women who are lighter skin with looser textures and desire that hair type, but they don't have it. And yet they still give them their views. Whereas it's not really supported from the other direction where women who are lighter skin with tighter textures, look at the darker skin beauty blogger or influencer with the tighter texture as a aspiration. It doesn't really work in the opposite direction. So I find myself making great information, showing up on a regular basis and feeling like I wasn't growing in the way that they were. And I was Definitely saying things to myself like it's probably because I don't have lighter skin or it's probably because I don't have a looser texture and then being propelled into a media storm and being the face that's being promoted and my face was then used and my image was then used on billboards. For Target and for placements in airports, I remember going and seeing my face on a Shea Moisture ad in an airport, and on back uh, on the backs of some of their pamphlets and things that they would hand out because they were trying to fix the mistake. <laughs> Nevertheless, that moment really solidified for me that. Uh, regardless of how much I had grown or in comparison to other people, how much I had grown, that I was definitely in a space where I needed to be. And I had supported so many people in embracing their natural hair. They don't have families that understand it. They don't have families that appreciate it. And so to be someone who loved themselves and showed up every day, every week on YouTube and being in the homes of others it is exactly where I needed to be. And it, does, it didn't matter what the numbers were. I knew I was definitely helping people.
0: Ooh, so much to unpack there, but I'm just going to go to a few things. Okay. Um, what I'm hearing consistently is the same across the court for entrepreneurs is that sometimes when you're on purpose, you're not going to get the numbers. People are not going to necessarily out the gate value what you have in comparison to others. But if you know that that's where you're called to stay 10 toes down because eventually things turn around for you. And in your case, you're at the right place, the right time. They said, "What well, if you prepare, if you plan and you prepare, then you don't ever have to worry about having luck, right? Most people would say you're lucky, but the truth is you started when there was no one else. You created a blueprint that did not exist and you continuously went on even though you did not get the feeling that you were going to be as supported, even by women who look just like you with your texture here, because people aspired for something that did not look like them. But you kept believing and your belief in the midst of um, the storm of the shame Moisture, you became the picture in everybody's home. So all of a sudden you're in everyone's home. I just want to transition now. So here you are. One of the things that I've heard you say is, you know, a lot of people they look at you and they aspire to have this influencer career. And one of the things I've heard you say, at least I want to say 15 to 20 times, is the biggest mistake you've ever made was that when you came into being an influencer, you didn't monetize right away. You believed that you needed to be sponsored by these brands. And if you had a blueprint, which you now share with your clients, you would have created a way to monetize yourself. Talk to us about some of the things you had to overcome because you've now have an example of printing things, having um, your t-shirts and bags ready to sell, but you never sold it because you had this thought in your head of not being ready enough. Let's talk through that.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> It's so crazy to me because what you're asking about, it it haunts me. And so that's why I share the story, because I don't want it to be something that I'm afraid to step out of. And I want people to know the mistake so that they don't make the same mistake, because I do see a lot of creators and influencers doing this and they're and they're making a huge mistake. So just to give you some backstory, like most YouTubers, our audiences grow. And then eventually we can monetize. You can monetize by the amount of views you get on your YouTube channel, and you can also monetize by getting sponsors. And that's basically a business saying, I would like for you to make some content for me on your platform and we're going to pay you a certain amount of money to do that. The goal is for them to get more exposure and more sales. So with this being a key way to make money and also a lucrative way to make money because you're not making a couple pennies like you do on, on views, you're making hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars, and tens of thousands of dollars. And for some influencers or YouTubers, they make millions doing this, like millions. So this is a lucrative way. The challenge for me was as I was growing up and becoming more mature and my life was changing from being single to married to having no kids to having kids, I realized that this was not sustainable, nor was it allowing me to have more control over my income and my revenue streams. So I decided I wanted to create merch, but I was so afraid about how people would receive it. I was not confident that people would like it. And because I had experienced people making bad reviews on just anything, I felt like I probably shouldn't put it out there because I was afraid of the bad reviews. I've been told that my, my sign, I'm a, I'm a Pisces, that we're, we tend to be a bit more emotional and we wear our emotions on our sleeve. Whether that's a Pisces or whether that's just I'm Janelle and that's who I am. I was afraid. I don't want anybody talking about my tote bag at all. So I printed the tote bag. I purchased the first sample so I could have it for myself. I love the tote bag. It was representative of my brand. It had my business website on it. And I felt like it would speak to anybody who was a true supporter, a loyalist, and anyone with natural hair. But I was not confident to put it out. So I never did. I would wear it out and people would ask me, where'd you get that? And I would tell them I got it online. (laughs) I wouldn't wouldn't even like tell them they could buy it even when they were asking. And I was just so caught up in people's opinions of what this merchandise would be. I was afraid of you just just that mainly. Um, And so as a result, I never put my products out. Fast forward to maybe about eight years in, I grew my audience present day. My YouTube channel is at 146,000 subscribers, which is an amazing feat. Anybody on YouTube to get there. um, If you're watching the video, I'm not sure if you're going to use the video, but I have my play button right there. Um, You get that when you get to 100,000 subscribers. And I also grew to over 18 million views. And I worked with all the companies you could think of. I decided at a certain point that I really wanted to figure out how to monetize myself. And I felt most comfortable at that time with selling courses. And then I eventually did coaching. But even there, there were times when I second guessed myself and I wasn't sure if my course was going to be one that people would actually buy. Will they buy it? And then if they do the course. Will they, will they get the results? I was constantly in my head on this new journey to entrepreneurship because I just didn't have other examples of what this could look like, what this could be. I didn't have anybody in my ear cheerleading me on, encouraging me that this is the right next step or to just advise me on how to make this work so that I'm not losing out. I just didn't have any of that. So I had to be the everything and all things for my business. And I wasn't confident with the with the merchandise, but I had to make this next step work because now I have kids. I want to become a business owner. I want to do more in the community. And so I ended up becoming confident over time and my courses and my coaching help with that for sure. But uh, <sighs> that was a hard time for me.
0: Oh my goodness. That was so good. So much to unpack there. So what we heard a lot of was Imposter syndrome, but imposter syndrome based on no blueprint. And, you know, I heard a conversation yesterday about, you know, having a competitive advantage, right? Mm -hmm. And now we can look at your competitive advantage of being a first mover. We can look at your competitive advantage in the marketplace of having over a decade of experience. We can look at your competitive advantage of having made the mistakes and learned from them and made millions since then. However, coming into it, you did not have the competitive advantage of a blueprint, of guidance, of information, of financial support. What are some of the things you would, in addition to like mentorship, coaching, maybe reading books, what are some of the, um, the information or guidance you'd give to someone who's listening now, who is also second guessing themselves, who is also looking to do more, build something bigger, have a business with predictable income, not just a hobby that pays them now and then later they're starving, right? Something that's consistent and they know that God has given them a vision, but they're not confident. What are some of the steps that you made to build your confidence and what would you suggest to the audience?
1: Yeah, so I know you said, you know, in addition to those things, but absolutely the mentorship, the guidance, the books, the coaches, those would be things that I would say if I had known that there were people that could help with that, I would have accepted it immediately because I was looking for guidance from other women who were doing it as well. But because they were in the same boat as me where no one had really established a business model, it was an income model, right? We did the ads from the videos. We got the sponsorship from the videos, but no one had made it a business that was creating a residual income or earning a certain amount of sales that was relatively close to I would say related to what they were creating or building outside of the video, it was always inconsistent. So if there was a way for me to have had that, and if there's a way for you to have that, I would say, go for it hands down. Now, outside of those things, when it comes to building confidence, for me,
0: go for for it in, in terms of what type of coaching would you suggest for them?
1: Oh yeah, so there's a lot of different avenues when it comes to coaching that you can take. There's business coaching, branding coaching. I would probably say first and foremost, someone who can help you with mindset at the start and someone who's who can help you with mindset but also understands the direction you want to go in with your business. So someone who can do both because when someone doesn't understand your business, Yes, they can support you with the mindset piece, which would be great, you know, but if someone also understands your business as you're approaching some insecurities or apprehensiveness, they will help you to work through that and they will understand it better and support you through that. So 100% a mindset coach. And I would say following that a lot of books and resources that help to encourage you to do the work and help you to get into the mindset of what it takes to do the work Because when I left, when I stopped focusing exclusively on income from YouTube and was now thinking about becoming a business, this exposed me to a whole universe of things that I had never understood before. Finances, never understood that really, right? How to structure the business. I never understood those things. Becoming incorporated, never thought about those things. And what does that mean to you as a business versus as an independent proprietor? Like, what does that mean? Also different business models, right? I was concerned about selling merchandise from a website that would do all the work for you. And there's so many other things that you can do as well. In addition, if you want to do that, that's a great starting place. But what will bring in revenue more consistently, bigger amounts of it, you know, that kind of guidance is the kind of guidance that you want to get from a coach, not just, Someone who can tell you maybe how to make more content, which there is a need for that, depending on what your goal is, for sure. But I knew that that wasn't something that I needed. Especially if you are an influencer or a YouTuber, you might not need someone to tell you how to make more content. You may need someone who tells you how to make content better or how to make the content that will get you to the goal you're desiring, not just an in, an increase in followers. So for 100% mindset and then books on entrepreneurship that help you understand what does it really mean to be a business and how do you structure it? What should your days look like? Things like that to help help you get into the mindset of being a business owner?
0: Ooh, that was so good. 50 million questions popped up in my head, (laughs) but I'm gonna stick to one. Recently, one of your tweets went viral. Your birthday is coming up and you had a tweet that went viral where you said, I used to think seven figures was the goal. But now I realize that was someone else's goal and that being able to take my entire birthday month off And not have to work is more in alignment with what I desire. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm just freely quoting um, this not specific quote, but that's a general idea. (laughs) Please talk to us about what it now means, as you were talking just now, what it means for you to have a business. What does it mean when your mother and your stepdad sees you? What does it mean to your family that this Black woman that they raised now has a business? Now you are the epitome or the the example that your niece looks towards? I mean, so many questions here, but what does it mean to you to have this capacity where you are building not just for you, but your entire family? Gets to be funded by this business.
1: Yeah, for me, nothing from my past would have said that this was supposed to be written because of the way that my life started, how I came into this world where my family is from. My mother and my father, they're from West Africa, Liberia. They were refugees who came to this country during a civil war. My mother has a GED. My father did do some schooling. um, So he did get a college education. But I grew up with my mom as a single mother because my father and my mother never married. And so while my father was in my life, he wasn't in the home. It was my mom and I. And then some of my siblings came from Africa much later. But we grew up. I was in the projects, my mom did relocate from New York. She moved to a small town in Rhode Island called Woonsocket and we had very little resources. So living with a mother who's not college educated or formally educated, and then growing up to not only get my a bachelor's degree, but to get a master's degree, it's like, where? how does that happen, right? And then having a mom who retired from a job where she makes $30,000 an entire year, and then re- her raising a daughter who can make $30,000 plus in one month, it's like, where did that come from? How did this happen, right? And so I know that God is at the for- at the helm of all of this because it wouldn't have been possible in any way for any of this. And I know that every single journey that I've gone through in my life education and bringing people along with me has been a part of my experience in everything that I've done. Even when I was younger, I was always a lot of the skills and talents that have made me a great business owner. People saw them in me when I was younger, but because there was this one track mind about what someone who is smart should do, they kept trying to pigeonhole me into these types of careers. So for example, You're really good at like helping people and convincing people to do something. You should be in sales. I would get all the time, right? You see that too, right? You're so convincing. You should be a lawyer. Um, You're so good with how you help children. You should be a teacher. Like it was always these different things because I have a lot of personality traits and characteristics and some natural abilities. You're so good at speaking. You should be a public speaker. You should go and speak across the world. And all of these things people would say. So the collection of all of these characteristics and abilities worked for me. And they were all just part of like my divine gifts. And I didn't know how they were going to play out, how they were going to pan out, but God knew. And so every part of my journey has led me to be exactly where I'm supposed to be. Every person that I've met, it was always supposed to happen in the way that it's supposed to happen. Every feeling, That I get about someone that makes me say, "Mm, gonna pull back, not gonna really foster this relationship, or love this, gonna keep pouring into this and see where it goes. All of those have happened for me the way that they should. So, for my mom, she's always so overwhelmed with just how much I'm able to do. Like, she still can't really fathom how. It is that I've been able to do this. She's extremely proud, but she is always like very, uh, she's herself. So not being, you know, in with me, she sees things a lot differently and her understanding of things is a lot different, but she's very grateful and she's so proud. And she feels like everything that she went through worked out for the better because of who I am today and where I am today. So from her perspective, absolutely awesome. I think where I struggle now as being, well, not struggle, I'll go into that in a second. But when it comes to what, what, what does being a business mean to me? A couple years ago, I was talking with my accountant and we had looked at my profit and loss statement for the year. And she has showed me how much money went into my team. And when I saw that number, I didn't think, oh my God, there's so much money being spent on other people, right? I didn't think that. I didn't think, oh my God, like I could have had more money if I didn't spend it, you know, or I didn't think any of that. Like this was so, I didn't think anything negative at all. I tend to have a very sunny disposition. And even when people say things that appear to be negative, I immediately, I'm like, I didn't think about it like that at all. What if it was this? And so when I saw that, the first thing I thought was, oh my God, I am taking care of other people. Wow. I was like, I'm paying salary level like right now for these people. And that was my biggest accomplishment, not even how much money I made that year to have been able to do that. But the fact that I was now in a position where my income wasn't only supporting my family, but is supporting three other families on a regular basis. And knowing that an employer that I've had in the past, if they went out of business, what would that mean for me? I felt a huge responsibility, like I have to make sure I keep this going because it's not just my family, it's their families too. And I wanna grow this thing and see where it can get, see if I can do more with this, how can I get there? So for me now, being in business is more than just how much revenue am I bringing in, but it's how many people I'm helping. I look at how many people have come through my program I have over 6,000 people that have signed up for one of the courses, one of the coachings, one of the challenges, and that number just continues to grow and to grow and to grow. I look at the people that I've helped through my services, through my products, and how their lives are changing, the impact that I'm having on their lives. So for me, it's impact right now. Impact over outcome is something that, I'm, I, that business means for me. And I'm in that space now where a decade in, I'm thinking about longevity because I recognize that I have a business that doesn't operate without me. And so I'm thinking about that now because I could make more money for sure, but when I'm not here anymore, God willing, I'll be here for long, but when I'm not here anymore... I don't want my legacy to be finished. I don't want that to be the end. I don't want it to be over. So I'm trying to figure out now, how do I keep this going? Because I don't have a business that can be left to someone, so to speak, because of the nature of what I do. So for me, business, I want my name to be somewhere one day or the business name, the Stuart name, you know, whatever that is, to be a name that goes down in history for forever. (laughs)
0: Legacy. Legacy. That's it. Legacy. we here building it for our last name. We're building legacy. I love your answer. And I love your reference to how the transition between the generations, your mom paved the way she made the sacrifices. And then with her journey, she was able to retire at 30,000 a year. And just last week in a week, you did 150% of that or more, right? In a yeah. week. So it's, it's, it really is mind blowing. And as you talk about legacy, I've, I'd never heard you say that portion before, but it makes us think now, okay, do we want to build you a business that we can sell and then have you buy something with your name on it? Or do we build you a business that you take public and have other companies invest in it? And you know, your children, because a, a business that goes public or goes larger, now you have different roles you have different responsibilities. So maybe you're not leaving it for someone, but just as you think about the Jim Rohns and the different individuals who had legacy the Napoleon Hill, you know, they sell their franchises. They have different, you know, licensing agreement for people to be able to use their like and their image and their name and their brand. So yeah, there's so many things we can do there. You just had my brain bursting with ideas now. (laughs) I know, I know, I know I did. Yeah, it's fun. So I've actually known Janelle now for a few months. And I've had the pleasure of being able to coach her. And it's so fun. Because every time she gives me a little bit more of what she wants, my brain goes out and like starts gathering data and information on what we can do about that. But then she gets scared when I come back with the ideas. Because she's like, Oh, my goodness, what are we gonna do now? So tell us about how you know, one of the things I heard you say early on, community, community, community. I'm going to be honest. I'm not one of those people that grew up with a sense of community. Community didn't really do me very well, right? In fact, I shy away for a long time from groups of people. I create them. I nurture them. But I, stay, I, I keep myself separate, right? Kind of like what Jesus did. You know, he would take care of the people, but he would always remove himself from the people because of you know, knowing what happens when you're constantly there, but you have been blessed with this gift of not just creating community, but living amongst community. Can you give us a couple of takeaways for people who are looking to create their own community or grow their community? What are the things you think that you have been blessed to be able to do or the reasons why you attract a community that you feel comfortable staying around?
1: Yeah, I think the the one distinction that will help you formulate a strong community is when you encourage people to go on the journey with you. And that's what I've done every single time. And yes, it's been a long time. It's been 12 years this year, March, but there's people who have been on the journey from the beginning. So they've been encouraged to come on the ride with me through every new thing that I'm doing. So in your community, when you're thinking about it, You have to be willing to take people on the ride with you, because if you establish the community with you as the the top, the chief, the the president, the leader, you know, the God, then everyone becomes a follower and people are looking to take you out (laughs) because you're on top. Right. But if people are with you as you're as they're learning and growing and they're on side of you, now you're the guide. It's the, I'm gonna show you the way. And also I'm not against your input along the way. Should there be something that you provide that we can all take advantage of? We'll be critical thinkers. I'm not gonna be the blind following the blind, but definitely let's do this together. And so that's always been my approach uh, with the natural hair community. I didn't wait until for the natural hair community, a goal is length and a goal is being able to achieve certain hairstyles. Those are like goals that women have when they go natural. So for me, I didn't wait until my hair was a certain length or I had achieved a certain level of ability with my hair. I was taking people on that ride with me, embracing every ugly part of being natural, the ugly parts of dealing with confidence. And now I have no hair and I'm used to wearing my hair relaxed. And when it's not relaxed, I'm used to wearing a weave or I'm used to wearing a wig. And now my hair is short and it's kinky. And I look like a little black boy and I don't really know how to do Makeup. So I kind of just look regular. And now let's try to figure out how do we accentuate the look? How do I embrace the short natural hair? What am I doing? Accessorizing and talking through these things, like being completely honest as I'm learning new styles, as I'm trying out new products, as I'm getting more and more confident, sharing that. And so everyone got to go on that journey with me. And as I transitioned from being single to then having kids, taking people on that journey with me with wellness, which is how I grew my wellness brand. And people felt very comfortable with me when I would make mistakes. When I make mistakes, I was not afraid to share them. So when you, make mistakes, don't be afraid to share them because that's where people will connect with you because it makes you look real. It humanizes you because we all make mistakes. So with my natural hair, I had made some mistakes. I had done some things with my hair that was causing it to break. And many people, when I shared that openly, they expressed having similar experiences but not only did I share the mistake and was like, well, this is the mistake, like I don't want to hear nothing about it. I was open to people talking to me about it. I was I was asking, why do you think this might've happened to me? I talked about my overwhelm and my stress around it. And I was I was very transparent. So people felt like they could come to me, talk with me. They could share openly. If they went through a similar experience, now they had someone who had also talked about it. So your struggles and challenges should not be secret, especially if you're growing a community, they need to know. I've talked about challenges in my business. I've talked about when I've messed up. So that also helps to offset. I also talk about the wins and I talk about the successes and I talk about the progress that I've made and everything that I'm learning. So you want to be the guide that brings the community along the journey every step of the way. Even if you're growing your business right now, day one, don't wait to have it set up and established before you start talking about it. Let people know every single thing and it's okay to pivot and it's okay to try new things. And when you make mistakes, let them know about those mistakes as well. It doesn't discredit you. I have a whole wellness brand where I encourage people to get healthier. I lost like 80 pounds and I gained it all back, all of it. And I showed up and I was like, yep, I'm fat again. So this is what had happened. Okay. And I talked about that. And if anybody was watching, they saw the weight coming back on. I know when it happens gradually over time, it's not as easy to see, but if you hadn't been on my page for a while, as soon as you saw me, you were going to notice it. So Who am I hiding from? Right. I can't hide from that. And I didn't want to. So, yep, I'm fat again. This is what happened. I was very honest about every single thing that led me to be where I was. I was honest about everything. I didn't make it seem like I was on a medication that helped me blow up. No, I ate too much. I didn't exercise. I didn't get a lot of sleep. I was very stressed. I was an emotional eater. I was eating all the junk food. And so I'm back to to square one. Who's joining me as I lose the weight again for the fourth time? Like, Who's joining me, right? And so everybody is like, girl, me too. Me three, me four, me 700, okay? Because we all went through this. And thank you for your honesty because other people come on and act like they don't go through these things. And I'm like, yeah, I do. I struggled with my weight my whole life and I'm continuing to struggle every other year. Every even year, I I, I come back snatched, and every odd year, <laughs> I gave the
0: weight.
1: <laughs> so I am working towards the, the next odd year, 2023, keeping it off. That is always the goal, but I don't know what's going to happen. So if it doesn't work out that way, which I'm pretty confident it will. I'm always confident that it will, to be honest, but. When it If it doesn't, I'll be back to say, hey, let's get it off again. Because for a lot of people, this is, unfortunately, this is our story. So just be transparent. Be transparent and don't be afraid of it. It helps your community connect with you better when you're real and you're honest. It's the ones that come back like nothing happened or trying to make excuses for it that people can't connect with. Because it's like, okay, here she goes again. And for me, I am the one that will tell you before you have to tell me, here I go again. Yes, it's been really hard. This is not easy. And whatever it is that we're talking about, I'm I'm open about that. And don't be afraid to share your resources. If there are things that you are learning along the way from others, don't pretend that it's your information. If you hire a coach like how I'm working with Natalie, I want people to know just how amazing Natalie has been for my business. And I don't care if it's a book I read, if it's a YouTube video I watch, if it's a podcast, or if it's a coach, if it's a course, I want people to know this is how I got it. Even with my coaching clients, when I'm teaching them how to do a new thing, I go, there's this program that I purchased. This is what it was called. I'm going to give you access to it. This is how I want you to use it. not going to like copy it and make it seem like it's my version of something. No, this is what I bought. I want you to use this. It's very, very helpful. This is the login, let's get it done. Or if it's something that I don't have access to, this is who I got this from. I learned these things from so-and-so person, Natalie Taylor, this is what she taught me and this is why it works. I began using it and I want you to know what it's done for me and now I'm handing it off to you people really appreciate the story and the experience that comes behind things, but we oftentimes don't wanna spend the time explaining that. But those examples, the testimonies, the personal experiences when you share, people connect with it better. So if you're trying to create a community Don't forget to do that. Let people in on how you got all this knowledge. Don't go and hide, do your thing in the dark and then come back and then want to be the person who provides all the information. Meanwhile, you're over here investing in something to teach them how to do exactly what you're teaching them how to do. Don't do that. Be honest and share your resources so that they can level up as well. Everybody grows.
0: Oh, that was so good. That was so good, Janelle. I know we could do part twos and part, But I wanted to say before we go, can you think of a time when someone said something to you? You know, this would never work. You're never going to this. And I want you to right now, what would you say to that? What is that thing? And then I want you, this is your F what they told me moment. (laughs) Let's go. Yeah. So
1: when I started, you guys, being a beauty blogger is not a real job. That is what I heard all the time. And there was this reel, this meme, where I believe it was Tiffany Haddish, probably from a video. It sounds like her voice. And the person goes, "How, hello, how are you? And then she goes, I'm successful. How are you? Right? And so I had made that reel. And I put, you know, when they said being a natural hair blogger wasn't a real job. And that's because it was new. I was in a field that people didn't know. All you do is spend time on social media. Don't you work? That's what I was hearing all the time. Girl, you're on Facebook more than Adam Zuckerberg or whatever his name is. Zuckerberg, Mike Zuckerberg. You're on, I was putting Adam Missouri from Instagram with Mike Zuckerberg from Facebook. You're on Instagram and Facebook more than Zuckerberg. That's what they was telling me, like everyone, how do you have time to do all of this and raise your kids, you know, all the shade. But listen, F what they told you, right? F what they told me. None of that mattered. I stayed true to what it was I wanted to do. I was very invested in growing a successful YouTube channel and I knew what the opportunities were out there. I understood what was part of the job. I understood developing a community was how I was going to grow my YouTube channel. So I knew while you're looking at me being on Instagram all day or Facebook all day, I understood what that would do for exposure for my business. So when they were telling me that, I was like, we're on Facebook differently. We're doing it differently. You're on there checking up on what your man's girlfriend is doing. And I'm on there growing a business, right? You're on there telling everybody about the arguments you had with your man and your bae and your this. You're trying to make people believe your relationship is good by posting all of these amazing things he's bought you. You don't even see my husband on there and we going on 17 years with two kids. So you're doing things differently than me. So you don't understand it because when you're on social media, you're not working you're not chasing the bag you're not securing the partnerships you're not growing if anything your entire existence on social media is for nothing other than just to be social but i'm impacting lives i'm encouraging people to be better to grow i'm not sharing my thing so you can say oh look at me i'm not flashy i don't live a flashy lifestyle and even if i did I'd be confident about it. I wouldn't show it off in your face. I'd be confident about it. I'd use it to inspire and to encourage so you could see what this life could be like for you if you work hard too. So all the things that they were telling me, F what they told me, Everything that I did, I needed to do. I knew my purpose, which I know is something that's very important to Natalie. I knew my purpose. I knew why, where I was trying to go. And so I put my blinders on. And anyone who wasn't supportive of that, I didn't really give too much weight of their opinion. And I only fostered relationships that I felt were important to me, which means not a lot. Not a lot of relationships were fostered because I wanted to be around people that were going to support me and be better to help me be better for than I was yesterday.
0: Oh, this is so good. So good. So good. I feel like I cannot let you get off here and not say something on how has um being a parent or being a mother affected your The way you do business.
1: Oh, first and foremost, it's what (laughs) catapulted me into being a full time entrepreneur, because before I was just doing YouTube as a hobby and I was still going to work as an educator. But once I had my son. I wanted to be home. And so I had to figure out how to make enough of an income to stay home. So that has helped me because it gave me a hustle and a grind to be able to re- to achieve the goal of being able to be home. And as a result, about four months, my son was born in December. And by April, I was home full-time. My daughter, same thing. She's never seen me work outside of the home, outside of my own choosing, like a speaking engagement or going away for a conference or something like that. I've never had to work outside of the home in that regard. Additionally, as my children go through different phases in life, I restructure my business to match that. So when they were younger... I could travel anytime. I didn't have to worry about school schedules and I didn't have to worry about extracurricular schedules, sports, music. I didn't have to worry about any of those things. So if I wanted to go on vacation with the kids, top of December, middle of April, it didn't matter. But once they got older, I had to restructure the way that my business works. So I started putting in time blocks to prepare my schedule for the times I wanted to be off. So what does that look like for me? No working on the weekends because now they're not home every day like they used to be. So we could go to the museum on a Tuesday or go here on a Wednesday. We can't do that anymore. They're in school and then they have extra stuff after school. So now the weekends is when we do that. So no working on the weekends. No working heavily when they're on breaks and vacations. Taking the summer off so I can have time with them. Taking the end of the year off so we can have a nice Christmas break. Traveling around the world when they're available, Uh, those are all things that I've done. And then time blocking the, the afternoon when they come home to make sure I'm available to support with homework and things like that. It's helped in the structuring of my business and reminding me that I'm the boss. So if I'm the boss, I can determine when I work and when I don't work, I don't have to be working around the clock just to secure revenue or to accommodate my clients. My doctor, he does surgeries in the morning and he don't do them in the evening. So he's set his schedule, right? My my son's allergist. She's like, we are here on Mondays and Wednesdays. I don't care if you're not available. This is when I'm available, right? If you want to work out with your trainer, we're here 4 a.m., 6 a.m., whatever their schedule allows. That's when you fit in. You want to go out to eat. My favorite restaurant does not open until after three o'clock. So I can't go there for breakfast. I can't go there for lunch. Everyone else around us has taught us how to respect their time and their availability, why they choose to do it, neither here nor there. I needed to realize I'm in control of my own schedule based on what my lifestyle is, based on what I want to do, or as Natalie says, based on my energy expenditure, my lifestyle is what's going to set the tone for my work-life balance. So those are some of the things that I've learned from being a boss.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I absolutely love what you just said. You know, because it's it mirrors mine a lot. One last thing before you go, I feel like this conversation (laughs) could go on forever, and we have to Uh, get get on live. Are looking to connect with you and work with you? Please let them know how they can find you. Let them know how they can work with you, and let them know you know what you have going on right now. Absolutely. So, I'll start off with some of the
1: more uh, reasonable, easy to access things that will probably be more affordable for many people. When it comes to content, everyone is overwhelmed with how much content they have to make, and you can't avoid it. I know that you can grow a business without content, but it's really difficult because it is a free marketing tool. And if you want to grow community, it's also a free way to do so. So, if you're looking for support with making content for your business, I have an amazing community called Content Confident. And it's a membership community. You can sign up for $97 a month or you can sign up for $777 a year. You basically buy eight months and you get four months free. And when you do this, you enter into a community of like minded individuals who plan and take action. Content Confident is not your typical just get a course and then you go on and do it yourself. We do have a course component that's run exclusively by me, videos by me on how to make amazing content, not just how to make content for burnout, but how to make content to achieve your goals. And then we have the community component where we meet on a regular basis every month for virtual events to support you in being a better content creator. Now, if you're looking for more direct support, you can hire me for coaching. I do brand coaching where I support professionals and experts in growing their influencer business. And I also support influencers in how they can go ahead with monetizing their influencer business and setting themselves up to not make the mistakes that I had shared with you that I made before. I work with professionals of all kinds who are looking to do that in one-on-one coaching. And most recently, as uh, since I've been working with Natalie, I've introduced another coaching offer that I'm helping people do. As I mentioned, Content Confident is a membership community and it's actually my second membership community. I talked a little bit earlier about my wellness community and how I would gain weight and not be embarrassed. Well, I have a wellness community as well. Both of those communities allow me to have income Every day, every single day, I'm able to monetize by using a subscription model. And so this creates a passivity to income, a residual rate of income and revenue. And so if you're a coach or a creator that is thinking about making some of that course content that you have or video content that you have and packaging it into a subscription model community where you can grow and take your business to six figures using this as one of the tools you use. You can also reach out to me for
0: coaching for that as well. I want to do that real quick because your calendar is filling up. So <laughs> as, soon as this comes out, guys, you may be able to get access to her May, June calendar. <laughs> if you can jump on it because she goes on vacation for a couple months in the summer. So you definitely want to jump on that. You know, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your energy and thank you for allowing us to go down memory lane with you, to learn more about your business, to learn more about your thought process, your evolution, from being a a vlogger on YouTube, to becoming a business owner. Thank you for allowing us to see how you have confidently stood on your ancestors' shoulders and what you are doing, not just for your family, but for the other families that are working in addendum to you, as well as those people who have been a part of your community journeying alongside you. I'm so excited to be a part of this journey with you, and I'm excited to see what happens as we build this legacy together, where your name is either on buildings or on brands, where you're leaving something in people's household, where you'll be in books. And as you're writing your book right now, one of your first books right now, I can't wait for you to be that face that's in someone's home on their coffee table. And they can speak about how your story led them to where they are. So, thank you, Janelle. And um, thank you. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much.